0: Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us right here and Channel Africa, where you get the African perspective. Thank you for joining us on the external service of South Africa's national broadcaster, the SABC. Remember, you can find us on our shortwave service in sub-Saharan Africa on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. And also, you can also listen to us in South Africa and some neighboring countries in the SADC region Region on uh, the Audio Bouquet channel on DSTV channel 802. You can also stream us live, our Pan-African family outside the continent on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today is a very exciting day for us here at, uh, at Channel Africa because today is one of our special broadcasts where we actually... Um, commemorate uh, Nelson Mandela's centenary and we're broadcasting live outside the Lily's Leaf Farm in Johannesburg South Africa. We know this was a very much central uh, space when it came to the historical trajectory of South Africa's anti-apartheid struggle. Just in a few days South Africa and the rest of the world will commemorate the hundred years since the birth of international icon Nelson Mandela. South Africa holds many historic sites. That reflect its dark yet rich history Today as I mentioned Channel Africa is right here At Lililis' Farm in Rivonia A chapter of our history That would soon lead uh, to the world Casting its eyes on the apartheid struggle Well let's listen to this report By my colleague Ayandam Kwanazi Who actually takes us on a journey Through Lililis' Leaf How
3: long have you been working here for?
1: Uh, seven years now
3: seven years? Yes. And what has your experience Been like so far? are you a tour guide
1: Uh, i started off as a tour guide and now i'm a technician Yes.
3: and what what does the technician do at lily's farm situated in the northern suburb of johannesburg in south africa lily's leaf farm can be described as a gold mine waiting to be uncovered and how many visitors do you get like uh, is this place popular
1: Uh, especially in winter that's when we get busy because we have school tours
3: so Zane Kumalo, a technician for seven years at Lilisleaf Farm, numbers, takes us on a tour. To Lilisleaf Farm is a world famous heritage site and museum, but before that, it was a farm used secretly by the liberation movement in South Africa, the African National Congress, or ANC, in the 1960s. It became the perfect location to hide from the state police and to plan the overthrow of the apartheid government. Lelysleaf was where several prominent freedom fighters were arrested, leading up to the Rivonia trial. Arthur Goldrich and his family provided cover for the ANC's armed wing Umkhonto we Sizwe's liberation activities.
1: Uh, this, yes, was the dining room. We call it the Three World. Breakfast, debate, and apartheid. Breakfast was when the Gora family would have breakfast in this room. Debate was when the leaders would debate about operations and intelligence, and apartheid was when the farm was raided by the police. And what you have in front of us is our interactive table. We use it to read about the organizations were we're involved, the evolution of human rights, everything the, libera- the road to liberation.
3: From Lily's leaf, Umkhonto we Sizwe launched a campaign of sabotage against government structures over 200 sabotage attacks took place targeting pass offices power structures and government installations Nelson Mandela moved to the farm in October 1961 disguised as a gardener named David Mzamayi. he hid from the police he would often be dressed in blue overalls of a worker in 1963 Lily's Leaf was raided by the security police who hid in a laundry van and burst onto the farm. Mandela lived in one of the servants' quarters where he spent many nights having conversations with Arthur Goldrich as he describes in the below extract of his speech that was made from the dock on the 20th of April, 1964,
4: at the Rivonia trial. While staying at Lillisley Farm, I frequently visited Mr. Goldrich in the main
0: house
1: and he also paid me visit. my room we had numerous political discussions
3: to this day it remains unclear how the police knew of Lily's leaf fast forward to 2008 nicholas volpe founder and ceo of the Lily's leaf trust
2: and his staff opened the doors of Lily's leaf to the public when i was asked to put on the ravonia trial reunion which we put in the on in the grounds of the main house I went to the then Treasurer General of the ANC and I said, we can't just put on a reunion and walk away. We can't let a historical site, a site that was linked to our liberation struggle, just to fade, to disappear.
3: Volpe was then provided with seed funding from the Ministry of Arts and Culture to get the project underway. According to Volpe, despite the rich history it possesses,
2: Lily's leaf is still not where it should be on the map. That has been one of our biggest challenges to promote, to raise the profile, to make people aware of this unique historical site and where it fitted in to the struggle and how Lily's Leaf became the sort of lexicon, the connecting cog between everything that happened prior to the purchase in 61 and everything that happened after the, from 61 onwards.
3: He believes education is key in raising awareness. I'm Kwanazi for Channel Africa at Lily's Leaf Farm.
0: Well, thank you for joining us right here. We're in the center of it all. I'm sure you can hear the birds chirping in the background right here at Lily Lee's Farm in Rivonia. And uh, a very, very beautiful setting indeed for us to actually celebrate the centenary of Nelson Mandela. Actually, even yesterday, here at the farm itself, it was 55 years ago on the 11th of July, 1963 where the high-ranking members of the Mkonto Esizwe were arrested during a raid of Lilys' Farm in Rivonia. But to assist us so to really look at uh, the significance of Lilys' Farm and also Nelson Mandela himself because he was also arrested here, we joined by George Bezos, one of Nelson Mandela's close friends and also a partner in the struggle against uh, uh, apartheid. And also he represented Walter Sisulu and Nelson Mandela in both the treason and Rivonia trial. We know that later on in the new dispensation he appeared in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission representing families of those who were killed during the liberation struggle. And also we've got uh, Sir Nicholas Volpe who is now the CEO of Lily's Farm and also the son of uh, Harold Volpe who was arrested soon after the police raid on Lily's Farm. Let me start with you Nicholas let's look back at uh, what the celebration was yesterday. Maybe it's not really a celebration, but a moment of reflection. Uh, it was uh, 55 years ago when uh, 19 members of the underground uh, were charged with sabotage. They were found right here at Lily's farm. What does this represent for you looking back retrospectively to this particular moment?
2: Good morning, Benjamin. Good morning to your listeners. Can I just correct one historical fact? Sure. Nelson was not actually arrested here. He was already serving a five-year prison sentence for leaving the country under a false name, with a false passport, and inciting the stay away. Um, It's quite interesting. The word celebration has crept in. Mm. And if I recall the... 2013 when we celebrated the 50th anniversary it was a very interesting experience because everyone who spoke talked about the raid in a form of a celebratory fashion Mm -hmm. which you would think was inappropriate Mm -hmm. given the fact that the raid had a hammer blow it was a devastating impact it crushed the internal liberation movement it forced the ANC to look to those who'd gone into exile to rebuild the organization. So on the one hand, we use the word celebration because there is an element of celebration because the, my chairman, Halima Mutlanti says, out of this, out of this setback, the positiveness emerged. And what was that positiveness? 1990 and 1994. So within the context, yes, there's an element of celebration, and there is also an element of reflection. Mm -hmm. Reflection in terms of the significance that Lily's Leaf played during that critical period Mm -hmm. in the early 60s, and also a reflection as to where we are today as South Africans and what Lily's Leaf symbolizes and recognizes within the context of our liberation struggle, of wanting to create a society, a cohesive society, predicated on the freedom charter Mm. predicated on not only the preamble but the clauses Mm. and there is a we have to acknowledge on the one hand we have fallen short Mm. we have failed in many respects to live up to that Mm. i don't know if george will agree with me but i think we have to some degree reached our nadia Mm. at the moment Mm. because what has crept back into our lexicon mm. is the vulgarness mm. of race, mm. but more terrifying to some degree, more intense. Mm. The, the language of violence, the language of killing. Mm. And part of that has emerged because we have lost sight of what our struggle was about. And Lily's Leaf symbolizes it it represents it and for me there's one specific interview or I should say exhibit here that articulates that and that's the 10 year old snitch where he says that one day he witnessed unusual behaviour taking place between white men and black men what was that unusual behaviour that unusual behaviour was them shaking hands Mm. interacting in a manner that was unusual in apartheid South Africa But it also went to the the crux of what our struggle was about, as articulated by Martin Luther King, when he said in his I Have a Dream speech, that I have a dream that one day my four children will live in a country where they will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And that's what they did here. They judged each other by the content of their character. And that was seen as unusual by the 10-year-old snitch who went home and said he witnessed unusual behavior. We at Lily's Leaf says this was the incubator to create a new South Africa, to create the new order that they all aspire to struggle for and sacrifice.
0: Let me take it to you, um, Advocate George Bezos, in terms of what Lily's Leaf represented for you, and you, you heard there Nicholas highlighting that it was kind of a melting pot of people who of various backgrounds, different racial uh, contexts, and this was a place where they could meet. In light of the anti-apartheid struggle, And it seems like that notion of multiculturalism and uh, very much of a a racially diverse country is something that we have been compromising, especially with the narrative that we're currently seeing with the racial dialogue that's happening currently in the country.
4: Well, first of all, uh, Wolpe was three or four years by Celia mm. at Wits University and the chairman of the Student Council. Mm. On the day on which the people were arrested mm. here, I got a call from Harold Wolpe Mm. at the foot of the uh, building in which the advocates had officers. Meet me downstairs on the window of the bookshop. The people our people mm. have been arrested. Mm. I am going to go underground. I was uh, I'm supposed to appear in court mm. this afternoon. I will hand you the pap- papers mm. surreptitiously come to the window mm. of CNA go to court, I will not go, I am going to go underground. He did. Mm. He was caught. He did it again <laughs> with success. He went out of the country. And what happened was that Walter Sisulu, Govan Mbeki, the other senior members who were arrested here. Unfortunately, a batch of documents in the handwriting of Nelson Mandela were found in one of the rooms here, yeah. Nelson Mandela had been arrested for leaving the country yeah. uh, unlawfully yeah. and they went and picked him up and he had to explain the documents that they said they had found. Yeah. Yeah. He must have been the leader, yeah. which was true. Yeah. and. The leader not in jail was Brown Fisher, the head of the Underground Communist Party. He put a group of lawyers, five of us, Werner J, who had been a member of the Communist Party, but when it was shown what was happening in the Soviet Union. He actually resigned and said, uh, uh, I will do my own thing. Uh, probably one of the best cross-examiners in the country. Arthur Chaskelson, the student of uh, uh the University of Witwatersrand was appointed by Joel Schofi, an attorney, and I was appointed.
0: Well, let me just also just go back just a little bit in terms of the purchase of... This particular Lily's Leaf, how that came about. And let me come back to you, Nicholas, mm. because that's interesting as well. There's a history behind even the purchase mm. and the intentions around that purchase of Lily's Leaf. Can you take us back there as well?
2: Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. As I say to people, we have to put it within a historical okay. context. Yeah. Lily's Leaf didn't just fall from the sky. Mm. One has to start by understanding what transpired in the late 40s evolving into the 50s the radicalization of the movement the moving away from this kind of gentleman's club because the perception is the ANC was always a mass movement it wasn't a mass movement it was a very yes they had members but it was a very small group of individuals some people use the terminology a gentleman's club Mm. writing letters petitions requests regarding that and it was the young lions people like Nelson Governor Becky Wilson Macquay Duman who came on and said this approach is not achieving our objectives we need to look at more radical approaches mm-hmm. so the 50s of the radicalization of the ANC we got the defiance campaign really the first time of a mass movement appearing sure. then you had the freedom charter the congress alliance and everything and the I should say the Congress of the People, the formation of the Congress Alliance, the treason trial, which you highlighted, that George was involved in, culminating, I believe, in 1960 with Sharpeville, which was the the turning point, which pushed the ANC over the cliff and leaders like Chief Latuli, who people argue was opposed to armed struggle, he wasn't opposed to armed struggle. He was just a person who was was reluctant but recognized that this was the inevitable movement. And against this backdrop, the ANC in 1960 was banned, the Communist Party had been banned ten years earlier, and it had become increasingly difficult for the Communist Party to meet because a lot of the air houses that they had been using were now being occupied by those who had gone underground within the ANC, Nelson Mandela and others. So, Bram Fisher instructed Michael Harmel and Ahmed Katharja to go and find the property. We believe Michael Harmel found um, Lily's Leaf. And if I can just deviate, we interviewed the daughter of the person who sold to Navin P2Y Limited and I remember her interviewing, speaking to me and she told me this wonderful story which wasn't true because there are a lot of stories that people <laughs> conjure up and she remembers saying her father came home one day saying that he had met this Jew who definitely wasn't kosher <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted to buy the farm sure. and he was going to sell it to him because yeah. he got an offer And she said, she couldn't remember, she said it was like Goldrich, (laughs) Goldberg or something. So we assumed, and I said, Reich And she said, that's it. (laughs) But it was a completely, it didn't happen. And I asked Arthur Goldreich, he said he never met them. Sure. You know, Because they came from Scotland because, again, there's a story, Lily's Leaf actually was a village in the borders of Scotland where they came from. So Ah. they named this place after lily's leaf in the borders of scotland and she was horrified like i'd created we'd created (laughs) blasphemy because the second l had disappeared (laughs) and she for about half an hour was demanding from me to know why the second l from lily's leaf had been dropped and she refused to talk to me she said i'm not going to be allow you to interview me until you give me this explanation as to where the second l went sure sure um And I said, well, unfortunately, I can't tell you where the second (laughs) L went. It it obviously went for a Forrest Gump walkabout. (laughs) Um, So through Navian Pty Limited, or I should say Navian Pty Limited, Mm -hmm. purchased Lily's Leaf in August 61, and the sole director was Vivian Ezra. Mm -hmm. The money, we believe, came from Moscow via Zurich into my uncle's trust account, because my father was a partner in his law firm, along with Joel Joffe, and he did the legal transaction. So that's how Lily's Leaf was purchased. It was actually owned by the Communist Party through a front company, and it was purchased as a meeting place, a secret meeting place for the Politburo, the Central Committee, and various other senior structures.
0: Well uh, we are getting into the real details of the significance of where we are broadcasting for our Nelson Mandela Centenary Broadcast today. Uh, We're right here at the Lily's Leaf Farm and we've got uh, Sir Nicholas Wolper who is the CEO of Lily's Leaf and the son of Harold Wolper was also arrested soon after the police raid on Lily's Leaf. We've got also uh, the advocate George Bezos, everyone calls him Baba Bezos and uh, he represents Presented Walter Sisulu and Nelson Mandela in both the treason and Rivonia trial. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. And when we come back, we're going to really look at how uh, the arrest that took place in Lily's Farm actually changed the trajectory of the work of uh, the African National Congress at the time. And also, we're going to look into the uh, Rivonia trialists with uh, with advocate uh, George Bezos and uh, to see his work. How did he actually navigate? His his work during these particular trials and how difficult it was for him that particular moment because sometimes when we reflect and look back we think the apartheid regime was just a, a very simple regime to work against I think we we, we forget how how uh, very much of a very big burden uh, the apartheid regime was but let's take a quick break and then we'll be back after this South Africans must learn to live
1: together. Yes, we can. And resolve our differences peacefully. Yes, we can. Alternatively, the future is very tough. Africa's future
3: is up to Africans. I say this knowing full well the tragic past that has sometimes haunted this part of the world. After all, I have the blood of Africa within me.
1: Join Channel Africa on the 17th of July 2018 as we bring you live coverage of the 16th Nelson Mandela annual lecture delivered by the former U.S. President Barack Obama, Channel Africa, The African Perspective.
0: Well, uh, today I have the great privilege to have uh, uh, the great Struggle stalwart, who's George Bezos, with me, right here at the Lilly's Farm, and uh, Lillies Leaf Farm, rather. He is a great lawyer, historically actually played a big role in terms of the history of uh, the anti-apartheid struggle in South Africa. We also have uh, Sir uh, Nicholas Wolper, who is uh, the CEO of Lillies Leaf and the son of Harold Uh, Wolper. Let me come to you uh, advocate uh, Bezos how do you think that arrest that you were talking about and you described very uh, eloquently in terms of your relationship that you had with uh, Harold Wolper was also very significant in the management and how this particular location operated. How do you think those arrests changed the trajectory of the anti-apartheid movement? Especially well, the work of the African National Congress and the Communist Party.
4: Though it was a line very clear that the arrests at Rivonia were a message not only to the black and/or white people in South Africa that it was a matter of some importance to the world. And when the jury box, and there was no jury, Mm. was filled by ambassadors from the United States, from the United Kingdom, Mm. from the instant countries, from all over the world, what is this? let the people have their liberty and the newspaper people, the radio people that came to us day in and day out for information and even the day before the death penalty was expected. The Consul General of the United Kingdom, when I was there in his house with Alan Payton, the great writer who came to give evidence that people should not be killed for wanting justice. And there was the Consul General that I was there in order to talk to him what he was likely to be cross-examined on. Mm. And when the writer and his wife went upstairs to spend the night, the Consul General took him to the front door. And uh, he said, George, don't worry there won't be a death sentence tomorrow. Mm. I didn't ask him, how did you know, because it was... The only thing that I did was to go to the top member of the team, Mm. Bram Fischer, to tell him this is what the Consul General told me. And he said, don't say anything to anybody. We don't want it to happen and take everybody by surprise thinking that. So I didn't go and tell everybody.
0: Nicholas, what are your thoughts? I mean, there were several figures who were arrested after the lease leaf raid. I mean, you're speaking about the top, smartest, very kind of ambitious and fiery leaders within the African National Congress speaking about the likes of Walter Sisulu, Gavin Beki, Andrew Mlangeni, Ahmed Katrada, just to mention a few. I'm sure even these arrests could have just stifled a little bit around the energy of the anti-apartheid movement, seeing their leaders actually now being arrested. must have been like a moment of hopelessness for a moment there.
2: Well, it was. Mm. I mean, Raymond Mishlaba, when we interviewed him, he recalled Foster saying to him, following the raid, we're never again going to hear the words of Mbeki, or the names of Mbeki, Susulu, Mm. and he rattled off. Because in their eyes, they had destroyed the liberation movement. You know so the, the apartheid state really did believe it mm. and it was a moment of horror you know it's that kind of moment of realization when you suddenly realize that you're you've been destroyed you know that you've lost everything mm. because one of the things that they talked about was there was an element of naivety about all of them you know, because they were not revolutionaries yeah.
0: you know, they were actually ordinary people yeah. they were all, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. you know you had Rusty Bernstein who was an architect sure. you had Dennis Goldberg who was an engineer you had Harold George yeah. I mean, and Brahm yeah. lawyers yeah. Nelson was a lawyer yeah. Oliver was a lawyer yeah. Walter was a clerk you know they didn't the only real revolutionary if one was to be quite truthful was Arthur Goldreich who had fought in the 48 war sure. in Palestine yeah. I mean he was the only one that you could really say had any form of grounding within a kind of a
4: a movement.
2: struggle movement fighting yeah. underground sure.
4: and he escaped <laughs>
2: and he escaped exactly <laughs> um, so there was this huge setback and that's why the escape of Arthur, Harold, Mosey, and Abdul Jasser became fundamental. Because here you had a situation where the apartheid state were in this state of euphoria. We've crushed the liberation movement. We've destroyed it. We have obliterated. There is no longer going to be a struggle. And on the flip side, you have a liberation movement who has been decimated. Morale is down sense of hopelessness a sense of defeat and they escape mm. so it's a shot in the arm mm. you now have the responsibility of people like joe slovo and oliver tambo who've gone overseas sure. to create the anc in exile so now the burden now falls upon okay. them yeah. and interestingly again people like ronnie Kasrils said we needed to strike back we needed to show them the people of south africa as well as the apartheid state, that we were not finished, that we were still very much alive. And that's why they embarked upon recruiting the London recruits. Mm -hmm. It was a way of highlighting and sending a message to say, yes, we had a a significant setback Mm -hmm. with the raid on Lily's Leaf, the Rivonia trial, the little Rivonia trial, and then the Bram Fisher trial. I mean, when you put all of that together, it ended the movement you know there was sure. no so the scape and the london recruits sent a message saying yes things are hopeless but they're not lost you know we are still fighting for freedom justice and equality so it the raid the trial had implications interestingly the trial itself was also a very positive for them as well because Rusty said, Rusty Bernstein said, this was the first opportunity that we were given uncensored, unfettered access to the world to be able to communicate why we did and for what reason, why we moved away from solely passive resistance to armed struggle. And George would know it better than I would, but the point is that that's why Nelson wasn't gonna, didn't want to be cross-examined. That's why he wrote the speech. This was it's the okay. opportunity. Yeah.
4: It was his decision. Okay. That, uh, well, the very keen mm. state prosecutor, mm. Dr. Yuta, who was very glad to have be a Jew and briefed by the regime, confident that he could get death sentences, Mm. and he was disappointed Mm. because the world at large sent people to write articles to encourage us <laughs> to tell us justice is on your side. Advocate, but how are you feeling at the time? I'm sure you've got
0: this gigantic monster called the apartheid regime. It's it is a frightful moment to be in. At the time, what motivated you to say, I'm gonna fight back, I'm gonna actually be on the side of my brothers and sisters?
4: I was a refugee of Nazi Germany against Greece. The treatment of black people on our arrival in 1941 and this matter, the way in which I was treated at school to be told that schools are not for blacks. Yeah. And when I made the speech as a first-year student, when we were accused of being leftists, I made a statement which sent me to the no way because I said if I want equal treatment of our black fellow students makes me a leftist, as said by Dr. Balan, mm-hmm. I am proud to be one. The next morning in the t- Transvaal the newspaper mm-hmm. of the regime, in Afrikaans, Lungs and trots daarop, leftist and proud of it. And here I was, Bernard J, the best law, criminal lawyer. Yeah. I became his boy, so to speak. <laughs> I, Brom Fisher, yeah. wanted to know. Nelson Mandela asked Dr. Motlana, yeah. a senior black, uh, uh, doctor uh, to be and I made a statement if wanting equal treatment for my fellow students makes me a leftist I'm proud to be one
0: well I'm going to take one more break and then we're going to come back to the moment where Liesli finds itself today and maybe we'll, before we get into that, we'll look at uh, the the final stages of, of the trial, because I didn't think we've touched on it enough. Um, especially what you were highlighting why they actually didn't get a death sentence during that particular trial I think we should touch on that just a little bit more but after the break we'll just also look at where Lily's Leaf Farm is currently, it's prominence, it's support it is such a state of the art kind of museum right now if you're listening to us been in various of these rooms, right next to Nelson Mandela's room where he stayed. It's a fantastic historical representation of uh, what happened at that particular time. You enter into a room and then you just press a little button and then you get told of all this histories gets unleashed in these images and speakers in these little huts and little rooms that are here that are a treasure of history for this particular country. So we'll speak about that. Just a reminder also you can stream us live on our Facebook page to see our live stream just in our final moments. So do go do go to the Channel Africa a Facebook page and then you can stream us Live there. You are listening to African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. A very, very important, reflective show today of looking at uh, what Lily's Leaf Farm actually represents historically. This is part of our Nelson Mandela Centenary celebrations that we have lined up here at Channel Africa. And uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back, and then we'll look at uh, the final part of this discussion.
3: Free.
1: Join Channel Africa on the 17th of July as we bring you a live broadcast of the Nelson Mandela Lecture by former US President Barack Obama. Make a date with Channel Africa on the 17th of July as we celebrate Nelson Mandela's centenary birthday. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective.
0: Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa where you get the African perspective just a reminder you can get us on various platforms remember on shortwave we are on uh, the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to southern Africa hello Zambia hello Mozambique hello to everyone who listens to us uh, in sub-Saharan Africa and uh, thank you to those who are listening to us uh, on DSTV on channel 802 on the audio bouquet okay. uh, remember Remember, you can also stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Don't forget that live Facebook uh, stream on our Channel Africa page where we broadcasting this uh, uh, conversation right there as we speak. But uh, let's just uh, try to sum up this conversation and take things forward. Uh, just briefly, um, Advocate Bezos, in terms of how the trial ended, tell us a little bit about how the decision was made not for a death sentence because that was unique at that particular time and what did that mean for the movement and what happened thereafter just in a few minutes before we take things forward to where we are currently
4: I do believe that the speech made by Mr. Nelson Mandela from the dock, the speech under oath by Walter Sula. And the other accused that gave evidence, except for Nelson, which was a white, a, well, a very wise decision, mm. not to do a favor to the cross-examiner. Mm. Uh, he was very upset because he said to the judge. Mm. Uh, my lord, my lord, tell him that what he says from the doc doesn't carry weight. Hmm. And the judge said, their lawyers don't require advice from you, doctor. <laughs> and also, I think that the apartheid judgment and particularly the businessmen and the mine houses advised the people Mm. running apartheid Mm. that they were not there forever Mm. they had to compromise and I think that the people the, the very rich Afrikaners, the very rich farmers advised their brethren, hey you t- sentence these people to death the world will be against us. Yeah. And another thing about Judge Devet was non hanging judge. Why? We knew he had sentenced the young man to death on the basis that he made a confession. His counsel asked for the confession. They said, we can't find it. And eventually, the person advising the Governor General, we were still under British uh, uh, sort of head, and uh, they said that uh, now we will not sentence him to death They asked Judge Devet to retry. Said, "I'm not prepared to do any such thing. Mm -hmm. You had an opportunity, you failed. He's found not guilty and discharged, and he became known Mm -hmm. as a non-hanging judge."
0: All right. Now let's look at Lisleaf now and what it actually is. It's turned into a museum, and. state of the arts, Nicholas. I mean, it's fantastic, the technology that is incorporated here. In terms of what Lily's Leaf Farm is now as a museum, where do you think it stands as in its prominence and uh, looking at from a landscape of the heritage of South Africa? It's,
2: the reality is, it's not where it should be. Okay. Not because of it doesn't provide the information it's an inspiring place it is a place that people have described as one of the best sites in the world you go on TripAdvisor we've won numerous awards the problem is our history and what do I mean by that? our history is fading from our historical narrative the narrative of today does not include a liberation struggle narrative and in fact a broad historical narrative mm. F- I don't know why but for some reason in this country we seem to have an antipathy to history mm. bordering on amnesia Yeah, and I think the antipathy has created an amnesia
0: is it because we Is it the Rainbow Nation notion? Is it our indifference? Is it our current political landscape that is so polarized?
2: No, I think we've lived through an era where the STEM subjects science, technology, engineering and mathematics Mm. not just in South Africa, across the world have been rammed down our throats. We've been told from Business through government, government to schools, schools to children, to parents. You don't need, we want you to produce STEM students. The humanities is not something that adds value, mm-hmm. the perception of the value to society, mm-hmm. which is a complete misnomer. Sure. And because of that lack of interest, that has created the very vacuum that we find ourselves in today, where you've just made reference to the whole question around um, antipathy, the rising of racism in the country again, the indifference, the intolerance, the bordering on hatred, because we've allowed it, because we haven't inculcated that idea of what our struggle was for, of the sacrifice. We talk a lot about the sacrifice that nelson made Mm. but we don't translate that discussion into Mm. deeds into reality and i use the example i mean george explained why he came to south africa Mm. and Mm. i say the versailles treaty that was signed after the end of the first world war created the very vacuum for an adolf hitler he came in and he stepped into it and he exploited it the vacuum that we have created here created the conditions under which we witnessed the last ten years of this country Mm. so fact of the matter is people do not know and I'd like to give two very solid examples Mm. one day I was walking through Nelson Mandela Square and I bumped into someone he said please come and explain to these young born free ladies what I do So I sat down, and I looked at them, and I said, have you heard of Ravonia?" And after about 15 seconds, the one piped up and said, the road. (laughs) 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 At which point I said, I can't deal with this, and I got (laughs) up and left. But the point is, our history Mm. has become lost in translation. Sure. If you say to an American, have you heard of Gettysburg? They don't suddenly say to you, it's the town northwest of sure, Washington, sure. D.C. A lot of them will say the Gettysburg Address, the it's Battle sure. of Gettysburg. Mm. So the specific meaning to specific places has become lost. Mm. And that ties into this obsession we have about naming everywhere around this country after our liberation struggle mm. heroes. Mm. I mean, one day we're going to have a George Bezos Avenue. Mm. But with all due respect, that's going to be meaningless because people are not going to be able to say who who George was, what did he do, what contribution did he make. So unless we have an understanding behind the meaning of the name, naming a street after George, after Nelson, after Walter, after Govan has no meaning, has no substance. So our our substance of our history has been lost because we're not teaching So
0: Nicholas, how do we reawaken these spaces such as Lily's Leaf Farm? How do we also reawaken not just the geographical spaces themselves because these also represent something bigger, the narrative?
2: It, It starts with a collective process. Firstly, we can educate people through events like this one. This is a prime example of an educational event Mm. informing the people both locally and internationally and outside the borders of South Africa what Lily's Leaf was. Mm. But we can't do it on our own. It requires an integrated, strategically aligned process with government ensuring that our educational system with regard to history is aligned to creating a platform for us to ensure that we properly educate our population around what the struggle was about articulating the importance of the Freedom Charter individuals use the Freedom Charter misquote it but they get away with it because the rest of us don't Don't know what that document actually says so it has to be a concerted effort by all stakeholders to re to. And the starting point is making history compulsory, but making it compulsory, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, from grade double zero. Mm -hmm. Starting at a very young age, very basic history, and gradually Mm -hmm. building, up, but a broader history. One of the great stalwarts of our struggle, Mm -hmm. and former minister, Amit Khadr Asmal, said... It is not about suppressing our past, but a gathering of all. And that's the word, the gathering of all. So it's not just about our liberation history. It's about what I would like to call our African history mm. in its totality. So it's, it's on the one hand, it's a very simple process. But on the other hand, it's a very complex process, because it, it requires a concertive effort by all parties concerned. And that is something that we need to do to ensure that we are able to teach the people of what Lily's Leaf meant, what it represented in the struggle, and what it symbolizes today, and why such places, and we call it a site of memory, is so significant. Because it has to be not only a site of, of telling the history of, of our country, but ensuring the values that our liberation struggle veterans and stalwarts fought for is articulated. And if I can just finish off by saying, Dennis Goldberg, I always remember one day he said, when Nelson said, I am prepared to die, he realized he wasn't just talking about himself, he was talking about the other sitting in the dock, the other seven accused, or eight accused. Um, And he realized... But even though he wasn't party to it, he said he felt proud and honoured mm. that Nelson did that because he was willing to sacrifice his life for that cause. Mm. And we need to ensure that that also is inculcated and presented.
0: Well, that's a uh, beautiful yeah, ending. Yeah, of yeah, I've yeah, run yeah. out of time, <laughs> uh, yeah, advocate. I've run out of time. It's. 12 o'clock now so I have to say goodbye to our guests since we do have another show upcoming but thank you uh, to our brilliant guests, uh, George Bezos, who was uh, representing Walter Seuss, Nelson Mandela in both the Treason and Rivonia trial, also playing a significant role in our Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission. Thank you as well to Sir Nicholas Wolper, who is the CEO of Lily's Leaf and the son of Harold Wolper. Hey, we've actually gone into our other program, but thank you uh, to you for joining us on our various platforms and giving us time to look at this historical moment and this fantastic historical geographical area in the hub of johannesburg but for me benjamin mushatama until next time god bless